Blog Talk Radio. Jean-Luc Jordy Specs, mysteries on the holodecks, asteroids, triple droids, telepathic beta zoids, transporter, deadly claw, visitor from LA law, photons, no Kirk, Captain has gone berserk, shuttlecraft, console Troy, Dr. Crush's little boy, Klingon rights, parasites, new heights, phaser fights, Data's head, Tasha's dead, Quike is hanging by a thread, celebration, transformations, everyone to battle stations. Good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It's time for another episode of Trek Talking and Beyond. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim. And we have a lot of fun. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about tonight, so we're going to dive right in real quick. And uh, first, I want to introduce my host. We'll start off with Charles. Charles is out in Las Vegas. How are you doing tonight, Charles? I'm uh, doing good. Beautiful weather. In fact, a rare heat. And this show is going to end before it gets dark. I'm actually going to sit on my patio today. Wow, it's it's already looks like the middle of the night here in Vermont. It's it's dark, it's raining, it's cold, it's windy. Hey, but that's oh. that's New England. <laughs> we're still waiting. We're still waiting for that rain. Oh, you can have it. You can. We were going to go out and get our Christmas we tree, put down our it. Christmas tree today, but not in the rain. So we'll have to wait till next week. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. And we also have with us Eric. Eric's out in Portland. How you doing tonight, Eric? I am doing really well. We are having kind of typical fall weather here. We've got a little bit of misty rain, uh, had a really good holiday on Thursday, and then uh, kind of been spending my days shoveling a lot of gravel, doing some work on the side of the house. So uh, a little sore. Glad to sit down and talk track for a little bit. Yeah, you know, I miss you guys. We we, we haven't talked since last Thursday. So it's, it's been, been a long couple. time. It's, uh, it's, it's rare that we go more than seven days without talking to each other, so... Yeah, it's over. It's overdue, but we got some good, good stuff to talk about. We have some even better. Believe it or not, we'll be back again on Thursday, which is actually closer now because uh, we're doing the show on Saturday. But we got some great stuff to talk about next week that I can't wait to get to. But before we get that far, let's let's do what we got to do tonight. Our phone number here is six four six 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 eight two four three three. Please give us a call. We're talking about scavengers, which was last week's episode and The Siege, which was last week's Mandalorian episode. So please give us a call at 646-668-2433 and join in the conversation. I, I hope everybody had a safe and happy Thanksgiving holiday. I know mine was kind of dull. Me me and Karen and Jamie just had a turkey here by ourselves and um, watched Christmas Vacation on TV. It was pretty quiet. Normally we go down to New York and hang out with my parents and my brother and his family, but we didn't do any of that this year because of COVID, so it was pretty dull. But anyways, I hope you guys had a safe and happy holiday. I want to let you guys know that we cracked 23,000 followers on our Facebook page. Oh, my God. I just... just, Good stuff. I can't believe there's that many uh, because I remember back when it was in the, like, 10, 11, 12,000 range, and that... 
wasn't that long ago, and it's really it means a lot to us to have so many people joining up as a, and join the team as we see it. It's phenomenal. I just I'm blown away. It's it's just incredible. So thank you to each and every one of you guys out there that's following us on Facebook. If you're listening to this podcast and you're saying Facebook, what are they talking about? Well, you can find us at Facebook at Trek Talking and Beyond A N D Beyond. Spell that all out. And go there and join our truck family. We'd love to have you. Uh, we also broke 29,000 downloads of our podcast as well. So uh, we're doing pretty good. 2020 is pretty good to us as far as our podcast goes. So that's really, really cool. And also, this isn't really new news anymore, but uh, Discovery Season 4 has started production in Canada. So uh, we have that to look forward to. And also, Star Trek Picard is going to be going into production soon. Okay, I, I, we're not doing Star Trek news anymore, but I just want to let you guys know that Star Trek Picard has not been forgotten. And I just read an article today that they're, they're starting to lay out the groundwork for how they're going to return to filming. So Star Trek Picard season two is right around the corner as far as production goes. So bear that in mind. So without any further ado, since we have so much to talk about, we're going to turn to Eric, and we're going to go around the globe with our numbers. Take it away, Eric. All right. Well, we have been pretty consistent over the last several weeks, and we are still in the same spot this week. We've got 76% of our listeners hailing from the United States, which is where the three of us come from in the triangle of awesomeness. But our first number one national, uh, excuse me, international listener is still Australia on the top of the list with 4.73% of our listeners. The UK is coming in a close second with 4.05% of our listeners, which is actually up almost a quarter percent from last week. So UK surging just a little bit. Uh, Ireland is in that number three spot with 3.17% of our listeners. Norway, our friends from Scandinavia, 2.67% of our listeners. And Canada, our brothers and sisters to the north, coming in with 2.27% of our listeners. Thank you so much, folks. 76 from the U.S., but 24, 25 from other places uh, around the world. We really appreciate every single one of our listeners. Thank you so much. Yes, we really do, and it's very important to us. The Trek is a global phenomenon. We want to include everybody around the globe in that, so thank you. Thank you so much. I, did, I had a fan send me a message on Facebook, and he asked me a question that I don't think we ever talked about and I wanted to throw it in here really quick. Fan asked me, Uncle Jim, what is the difference between a Trekkie and a Trekker? Um, I, I know the difference because I was there when that happened, and um, as I'm sure Charles and Eric were as well. But um, I'll fill you guys in on that. On that, just so basically, when Star Trek came out, the fans of Star Trek were called Trekkies, and they remained Trekkies right straight through the animated series when they had all the first big Star Trek conventions in the 70s, and they were always Trekkies. However, when this new show came along called Star Trek The Next Generation, there was a skiff in fandom, not unlike we see today with every single new Star Trek that comes along. All the new fans and the old fans can't seem to get along and whatnot. Well, back then, you only had two Star Trek, TOS and TNG. So the fans of the original series were called Trekkies. Fans of New Trek were called Trekkers, and that's how they distinguished themselves as to what Star Trek do you like, TNG or TOS. And that distinction kind of 
stuck around for a while. And I, I think that people still use the term, but for me, I'm a Trekkie. I always have been. I always will be. I don't distinguish between shows. Either I'm a fan of Star Trek or I'm not a fan of Star Trek. And I am a Trekkie, and I'm proud of it. So whether you refer to yourself as a Trekkie or a Trekker, doesn't matter. If you're a fan of Star Trek, you're part of our family. So welcome aboard. And mm-hmm. with, with that little – unless, Eric, Charles, did you guys want to add – Anything in on the Trekkie versus Trekker thing? or? No, I was just going to say oh. that, you know, it really depends on who I'm hanging out with. Uh, because if I'm hanging out with people who are Trekkers and Trekkies, then I will call myself a Trekker because I came into Trek with Next Generation. But if I'm just talking to whoever out there, I just say Trekkie because that's the more universal term for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Eh, I've always considered myself a Trekkie. I never yeah. really got myself into a trucker term. I've always, because I've always been a tricky because I've always, I came in from the original series. Yeah. But like I said, you know, I'm a Star Trek fan and I don't see the difference to distinguish yeah. this from that. So I'm a Trekkie through and through. I love it all, all of it. So anyways, with just that little tidbit out of the way, uh, we like to go around and, give individual shout outs to personal fans, fans that are on our Facebook page and give them an individual shout out. We do the countries, which is great, but now we're going to do individual people. And if you'd like to hear your name on a shout out on a future show, just go to our Facebook page, truck talking and beyond spell that all out. And the top of the page, you'll see a post into the top with the live long and prosper hand sign. And all I got to do is go in there and leave us, tell us where you're from. And each week I pick 15 names from there, and I'll put a heart. You'll see a little heart next to your name from Trek Talking. And that means your name has been chosen, and you're going to be on our podcast. So you can tune in next week and hear your name. So without any further ado, we're going to turn us back to Eric, who's going to start us off with our individual fan shout-outs for tonight. Take it away, Eric. All right. This week, we are sending our first fan shout out to Lenka Kalasova from the Czech Republic. Thank you so much for listening, Lenka, and awesome to have you on our Facebook page. Great to have you along for the ride. We've also given a shout out this week to Lentige Bo from Gouda in the Netherlands. Ah, all the way over there. That's great. Uh, So great to have you as well. Uh, Hello this week to Helena Saranova, born in the Czech Republic but currently living in Warsaw, Poland. Can you guys believe we have folks listening to us all the way over in Warsaw, Poland? That's fantastic. Thank you, Helena, for listening to us and for checking us out online. James C. Woodham from Fort Walton Beach, Florida, but now living in Utah, closer to Charles and my end of the country. So hello, James Woodham. Awesome to have you along, too. And thank you so much to Rodrigo Alves Pons from McKay in Brazil. Awesome to have you along for the ride, too. Charles, who else is listening to us? Okay, well, Jim gave me a fun one on this one. We got Judy Youth, born in New Jersey, now living in Florida. Denise from Vacaville, California. Where that is. Steve Green from South Wales. Steve Henry Jones from North Wales, USA. 
Pamela Formler King from Lower Vermel in Pennsylvania. Oh, I got some new cities there for me to study. Well, how about you, Jim? And finishing out our individual fan shout outs for this week, which is our Thanksgiving show on Saturday. <laughs> uh, we'd like to send a huge shout out and a hello to Kenny Vasquez from New York slash Alabama. We'd like to say hello to Roy Underwood from Coventry, England. We'd like to say hello and thank you to Angela Wolf from Weekspig, Germany, and Europe. We'd also like to say hello and thank you to James Adams from Kentucky. And last, but definitely not least, representing the great state of Texas, Rhonda Erickson. Thank you for listening, and thank you for following us on Facebook, guys. We really appreciate it. It's so important to us, and that's why we do our fan shout-outs, just to let you guys know that, yes, we're, we're out here. And something else, I don't know if you guys are aware of this or not, but you probably are, but um, Eric, myself, and Charles are all admins on our Facebook page. And I make it a point, I try as hard as I can to read every single comment that you guys post on every single post that's on our Facebook page, believe it or not. I try to read every single one of them because I like to know what you guys are thinking and what's going through your minds and, and hear what, what our fellow truckers around the world think. So I read every single post that you guys respond to. And I'm, I'm sure Charles and Eric check them out as well. Mm-hmm. But um, I, not as I not try to read yet. them all, you know, mm-hmm. and, so I like to know what keep my finger on the pulse of Star Trek, and I do that through you guys. So thank you very much. And also, while I'm on that topic, um, we try to keep our Trek Talking page a family-friendly environment so you guys can rest assured that if something gets off rack, off trail, or, you know, you know personal or, or uh, just out of line, Either myself, Charles, or Eric, one of us, will make sure that that remark is hidden, blocked, removed, and um, we won't we won't allow that to happen on our Facebook page. So you can feel safe visiting us at Trek Talking. Okay, you're completely allowed to come on there and say you hate TOS, you hate Discovery, you hate Picard, and have a discussion as with, with other fans as to why you don't like it, and that's completely fine. We encourage people to have differing opinions. But you're not allowed to come on there and attack people and call people names and make fun of people and degrade them because they don't agree with you. That we don't allow. So please, visit our page and have some fun. That's what it's there for. And now we get to our Star Trek birthdays, and we got a lot. was not a Klingon song. No, it wasn't, but we like it. So what we do with the show is we always start off with remembering members that are no longer with our Star Trek family. And for that, we turn back to Eric. So, Eric, why don't you start us off with our remembrances for this week? Yeah, we have quite a few this week. Uh, Members of our Star Trek community no longer with us that would have had birthdays this week. Uh, Our first one is William Ware Thies 
who was a costume and creature designer from TOS. And you've probably seen him in some of the old pictures. Uh, he's the gentleman with the mustache uh, that you've seen hanging out with various actors. Uh, there's a pretty famous picture of him with Leonard Nimoy. Uh, so he is responsible for a lot of those great costumes and monster concepts that we saw from TOS. So uh, happy birthday and remembrances go out to William Ware Beast today. We're also remembering uh, Tina Ron, who was a Hyperion manservant uh, named Mahar Du in DS9, seven episodes. Uh, if you don't remember that character, um, he sort of has a very uh, wrinkly face, I guess is one way to, to sort of, which I know <laughs> basically describes everybody in, soundtrack, in Star Trek. But uh, I don't know, you would recognize him if you saw him. Lots of wrinkles around the face and mouth. Um, was in uh, seven different episodes of DS9 and definitely a recurring character. So happy birthday and remembrances to uh, Tiny Ron. Also, we're saying happy birthday uh, this week and remembrances go out to Michael Whitney, who played Tyree in uh, TOS's A Private, A Private Little War. Uh, one of the soldiers um, in that episode. Um, we're also saying happy birthday and sending out remembrances to Robert Easton, who played the Klingon judge in Star Trek VI, who I think is a pretty iconic role that um, has been parodied by many other shows, uh, including Lower Decks, which I thought was pretty cool. So um, happy birthday and remembrances to Robert Easton. We're also saying happy birthday to Rhodey Kogan, who played one of the witches, the first witch that we see in the TOS episode, Cat's Paw. Also, happy birthday and remembrances to William Sargent, Dr. Tom Layton in TOS episodes, uh, in the TOS episode, The Conscience of the King. Uh, he's the kind of main older gentleman in that, uh, in that episode. Uh, pretty iconic. So happy birthday, William Sargent. Also, happy birthday to Karen Montgomery, uh, who played Mistress Beta in the TNG episode Angel One, which I actually just rewatched. I'm on my rewatch all the way through all of Star Trek, and I'm in uh, season one of TNG right now. Um, she's the one who leads the female society on that planet. Uh, I actually had no idea she was gone. So uh, happy birthday and remembrances to Karen Montgomery. Um, and then we have two kind of heavy hitters this week that I think uh, most people will know. Uh, our, our next to last remembrance this week goes out to Mr. Jeffrey Hunter, who, of course, was the original captain of the Enterprise, Captain Christopher Pike, uh, in the TOS episode, The Cage. Um, so happy birthday to Jeffrey Hunter. And also happy birthday and, before, and remembrance. Wait, go wait, out. wait, oh, yeah, wait, you're gonna before do you. Okay, good. But but, yes, but before we do the next one, I've got to play this soundbite. Just because this is a perfect yeah. time to play it. I shall leave you as you left me. As you left her. My room for all eternity. In the center of a dead planet. Buried alive. Buried alive. <laughs> Uh, that, of there course, is the, the super familiar voice of Mr. Ricardo Montalban, who, of course, played Mr. Rourke on Fantasy Island. Oh, yeah, and also yep. probably the best villain of all time in Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. Well, according to Lower Decks, you know, <laughs> it, it, it could have been Tanner Rourke. 
from uh, could have been. Yeah. You know, could could have been. been. <laughs> <laughs> so lots of remembrances this week, guys. Uh, all of them from great roles. Uh, you know, Jeffrey Hunter and Ricardo Montalban, of course, uh, particularly of note uh, in Star Trek lore. So um, happy birthday and. Uh, we miss all of these folks that we just talked about uh, during this segment. So, Charles, who's still with us that has a birthday this week? And before oh, Charles hey. starts, I just wanted to, oh. uh, to share a little story with you guys. Leslie Hoffman, who does stunt trucks with me on, on Sunday nights right here at 7 o'clock, has worked with, with Ricardo Montalban a couple of times. And she tells this really great story. Of, she was on Fantasy Island. And uh, then she was doing, what was it, Airplane or, or Naked, uh, Naked Gun? Naked I don't, Gun. Naked Gun. Naked Gun. Yes, and Ricardo Maltabon was, was in that movie with her. And he came over and started talking to her and remembered her from guesting on Fantasy Island. And apparently that's something that actors just don't do. They really don't pay attention yeah. to guest stars on their shows. And when he came over and started talking to Leslie about and remembered her from being on Fantasy Island, she was thrilled to death that, that a major actor like this would actually remember a guest star from his show and acknowledge yeah. them. So uh, Leslie says that Ricardo Montalban was nothing but a pure gentleman through and through. So I just wanted to share that with you guys. Maybe in honor of his birthday, maybe Leslie and I will talk a little bit about him tomorrow on Stunt Treks. I don't know. But I just wanted to throw that out there for you guys. Take it away, Charles. Very cool. All right. We have Craig Huxley, who played Tommy Sarnis in the TOS episode and the Children's Show lead. Michael Savannah played Captain Robert DeSoto from TNG Tin Man. Barbara Anderson played Lenore Cordelian from TOS, Conscious of the King. Oh, I think Eric mentioned Conscious of the King also. Yeah, it's not strange. Osberg. It is interesting, too, in the film. played Lieutenant Galloway in TOS episodes of Deadly Years. Gerd Graham played Quinn, Quinn in Voyager's Death Wish. Hunter of Hoss in DS9, Captive uh, Pursuit. Alec Newman played Malik in Enterprises, Borderland, Cold Station 12, and Augment. Charlotte Palmer played Naomi Wildman from Voyager. This next one's a bit of a new birthday for us because we're just meeting this person. Odin Fair, who's playing Admiral Vance in the current series of Discovery. Very interesting character, Admiral Vance. Now this next one, I looked and said, yeah, I know him by this character, but I'd rather consider him playing Captain Howell the Mad Murdoch from the A-Team, also known as Reginald Barkley. From DS9 and and TNG, Dwight, what a fun character! What a fun character he gets to play. And then Allinger Singdig from Singdig City, who plays Doctor Julian Kazir in DS9. 
I think it was Alexander Siddig Fidel, I think was his name on Deep Space Nine. He was married to Nana Visitor um, from Deep Space mm-hmm. Nine as well. And he also mm-hmm. happens to be the nephew of um, Dr. Tolian Soren from Star Trek Generations. Um, all right. Uh, so we're going to take our first break for the night, guys, for, for our mm-hmm. listeners over there at Odyssey pot. Radio. Just hang out with us. We'll be right back. For the rest of you guys, we're going to hear from GM Chris real quick, and then we're going to come back and wrap up our birthdays. Don't touch that dial. This is Chris from Trek Talking and Beyond, here to invite you to join us for the best science fiction-themed podcast on the Internet. Our elite team of Trek experts are here to discuss Star Trek and other sci-fi-related content, and we want to hear from you. Dial 646-668-2433. On Thursday nights from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. on East Coast Time, hailing frequencies are always open and will get you on the air to share your opinions. We have faith. You will call. And we're back. Thank you, GM Chris. I miss having GM Chris Uh, around with us. Yeah. Before you continue, if you're ever interested in Alexander and some of the stuff he does, look him up online. He's got a website, uh, Sid City, I believe, who he does... He does some live uh, live Zoom chat, but he also does some interesting reading where they'll do like an audio book style where they'll be reading on some adventures that happened after DS9. Very interesting. To I'll watch. have to check him out. I'll have to give, give him a listen. So wrapping up our birthdays this week, and the reason why we have so many is because our show is on Saturday instead of Thursday. So all those birthdays that happened, you know, yesterday and today are included. So our birthday should be less when we do our show on Thursday, which is good because we'll have so much more to talk about. <laughs> Just a little teaser for next Thursday. Uh, so with our birthdays, we're going to say happy birthday to Jerry Harden. Now, I know Jerry Harden as Deep Throat from the X-Files. However, our Star Trek fans out there might know him as Samuel Clemens from the TNG episode Times Arrow, or maybe even as Radu from the TNG episode When the Bow Breaks. And if that's not enough, maybe you're a Star Trek Voyager fan and you remember him playing Nera in the episode Emanations. At any rate, Jerry Harden's been in a lot of Star Trek and a lot of X-Files, and we want to say happy birthday to Jerry. Um, we're going to do him. We'll see. Uh, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll keep up. We also want to say happy birthday to Patricia McPherson, who played Mistress Ariel in the TNG episode Angel One. Isn't it strange that we mm-hmm. have two birthdays from Angel One and two birthdays from Conscience? Strange little coincidence, huh? Yeah. I would also like to say happy birthday to Menya Fortuno, who played Maris, the Orane slave girl, slave girl, in Enterprise episode Bound. She was one of the three slave girls that was on the Enterprise. Um, dum, da dum, dum, dum. Okay, the next one I want to do. Um, okay, it'd be John Larroquette. John Larroquette, who played Moss in Star Trek III, The Search for Spock. One of my favorite Klingons. He's the Klingon. He says, you said you would kill me. And Kirk says, I lied. I'll kill you later. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Great character. And 
since we talk about Star Trek comic books on Comic Corner, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, if you read the comic books in the early 80s, but uh, Moth was actually the first, in comic book lore, the first Klingon to serve on a Federation starship, even before Worf, because they put him in the brig, he ends up back on Earth, and he ends up going with Captain Kirk and the crew on the Enterprise because the Klingon Empire doesn't want him back because he's considered dishonored and a coward. So he serves aboard the Enterprise with Captain Kirk. That's pretty cool. Um, That's fascinating. And, you know, since we cover Star Trek Attack Wing, he also has a very excellent Star Trek Attack Wing card that allows you to transfer three crew members from his ship to any other ship within range one to two. So it's a way that you can kind of bulk up your your builds uh, if you're playing with build restrictions. You can always use malts to just transfer a bunch of people over to, like, your big nasty board cube and go to town. Yeah, he's, he's, he's pretty cool. Um, da-dum, da-dum. Okay. So I like to do all the Klingons, but I can't do the Klingons last because I got some big ones I got to do last. So I got to get my Klingons in early instead of last. The next one we want to say happy birthday to is another new one. Uh, this is Ken Mitchell. Happy birthday to Ken Mitchell. And you're saying, who the hell is that? Well, I'll tell you who he is. Uh, he played not one, not two, but three, three awesome Klingon characters on Star Trek Discovery. First, he played Cole in season one. Then he played Cole Shaw in season two. And in season two, he also played Tenevik, who was the son of Nun that got Captain Pike the time crystal on Boras. And uh, you might be saying, well, is that all? Is that all? Well, no, because he also in of the Twerk vessel on Star Trek Lower Decks. So happy birthday to Ken Mitchell. Now that gets all my Klingons out of the way. And the reason why I had to get the Klingons out of the way is because I've got some big ones here that I just, I had to save for the last. So let's start off so with big. happy birthday to Sarah Mitch. Now Sarah Mitch is an interesting character. Uh, she's on Star Trek Discovery. Uh, in season one, she played Lieutenant Arium. However, when Arium died, she now plays Lieutenant Nielsen, and you can see her. She's the blonde-haired woman that takes command of the Discovery whenever uh, uh, Saru steps off the bridge. And listen, guys, in honor of Sarah Mitch's birthday, I have an offer for you guys that you cannot refuse. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. And you're saying, Uncle Jim, why are you giving us that phone number? You give it to us a million times every show. You should have it in your speed dial, by the way. But I'm going to give it to you one more time. 46 to give you guys a chance to dial. 646-668-2433. And guess what? I have for you guys, first person that calls me, I have an autographed picture of her as a tenant Arium that I would love to drop mm. the mail and send to you. Okay. But you got to call. I can't send it to you if you don't call. So in honor of her birthday, I'm giving away an autographed picture. So please give us a call. 646-668-2433. Anytime during the show. And I'll drop it in the mail and send it to you. So give us a call and you get a free autographed picture of Lieutenant Arium. 
Our next birthday is another big one. Um, we want to say happy birthday to Allison Pill, who plays Jack Dr. Girardi on Star Trek Picard. Pretty big one. Pretty, pretty big one. Yeah. Another big one we have Denise Crosby, who played Tasha Yar on TNG, and also Sila on TNG. Happy birthday to Denise Crosby. And I saved this one for last because this happens to be one of my favorite Star Trek movies, which I'm in the minority, but that's cool. But also, uh, this gentleman happens to be married to somebody who uh, I don't is related to someone who's very responsible for the Star Trek that we know and love today. And of course, I'm talking about Lawrence Luckinbill, who played Cybok in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. And he's married to, um, to um, I see the senility sitting in. He's, he's married to, uh, is it Desi Arnaz Jr.'s daughter? Who, uh, yeah, Desi Arnaz Lucy, was, Lucy, yeah. Yeah, it's Lucia Arnaz, I think is her name. And she is the daughter of Lucille Ball, who, of course, made Star Trek a reality. So that's why I saved Lawrence yeah. Luck and Bill for last. So cool, brother. And actually, I, you know, I have to tell you that I, a lot of people do diss on that movie. Jim, you have definitely convinced me over the years that it's better than I think it is, which I do, I do think it is. And in fact, in my latest uh, round of Star Trek adventures that I've been playing, my character is actually the secret grandson of Cybok. So there you go. I was plugged into Star Trek Five. I, I love it. I love it. If you get a chance to read the book, the book has a lot of stuff in it that wasn't in the movie, but a lot of that stuff made it into Star Trek Discovery Season 2. So that was pretty cool. All right. So that wraps up. Uh, now we're going to dive into uh, The Mandalorian, Chapter 12, The Siege. And before we do that, i got to kind of set the mood for you guys. <laughs> I love The Mandalorian. I think it's a great show. It's a great action-adventure show, okay? And I've been a little disappointed because it hasn't been going anywhere. It's just been the the fight of the week, you know, and we haven't really moved the character forward. And it seems to me like it's just a bunch of fan service. They keep dropping in all these characters and places and things, and it's not really moving anywhere. But I, I, I love the show anyways. Well... This episode, I was blown away with this episode because in this particular episode, Mandalorian goes back to his roots. 
it, we get to see the characters that he met in season one, and we get to go back to um, the planet where it all started from. We get a surprise visit at the end from Moff Gideon, and we're back on track again. We're back on the Mandalorian and the world that was created for the Mandalorian instead of just relying on, on Tatooine and on Jawas and Tusken Raiders and Stormtroopers, although there are some in this episode. It was really good. I really, really yeah. enjoyed it. It's still short, though. You know, the time, it, it, this one clocked in, I think, at 31 minutes, if I remember no, correctly. Minutes. 39? 39 Okay. Minutes. Yeah. Um, 39, it's still, I was like, wow, okay. But I enjoyed it. I thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. We get to learn a little bit about why they wanted uh, Gorgu. I'm sorry, why they wanted Baby Yoda's blood and what they were doing with it. And we get to see that Moff Gideon is is uh, got evil plans, and he's taken over an Imperial base, which which was a really cool scene. We get to see that awesome uh, Star Wars troop transporter again that was a Kenner toy that I had that never existed, but now it does in a Mandalorian. And uh, we get to see uh, Carl Weathers back. Of course, he directed this episode. We get to see um, uh, awesome woman with the giant gun back again. <laughs> um, Cara Dune. Uh, whose name? Which is awesome. And uh, we also get to see the blue dude that got frozen in carbonite in the first episode. He's back. So that was great to see him. And uh, we see Baby Yoda steal some Ritz crackers from from a dude in school. So overall, I really enjoyed this episode. This was a fun one. And to me, it felt like Mandalorian was back on track again with this episode. I love the the TIE fighters coming after the troop transport. And that that whole thing was was awesome. The stormtroopers. It was a lot of fun. It was a fun episode. And it was great to see. Um, our new characters that were established in the show back again and to see Mandalorian actually back on his mission. So I thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this episode. Eric, how about you? Oh, man, this episode blew me away. I love this one, Jim. I'm right there with you. Uh, It felt like watching an old-school Star Wars movie. Like the arc of the whole thing had a beginning, a middle, and an end. Um, I love the return to Navarro, like you were saying, uh, and him hooking up with Cara Dune, who you see kicking much butt in this episode, I might add. Uh, You also get, I I think, and I had complained about this two episodes ago, uh, the amount of backstory, understanding that it was Star Wars and that we weren't really developing these characters too much. But, man, I feel like you you pushed the Baby Yoda story forward quite a bit in this episode, and, and that I really, really... Doug as well. Um, you know, there's so you named a, a ton of really good bits. I mean, there's so many of them. I mean, the dog. I think the dog fight probably between the Razor Crest, the reef, the Razor Crest refit, <laughs> I guess I'll call it, and the uh, and the Tie Fighters was unbelievable. The humor in this episode just really, really came through. I actually watched this one with my daughter, and she. She was laughing. I mean, there's the whole Baby Yoda thing at the beginning. Then there's during the dog fight, Baby Yoda's yelling yippee and stuff as they're flying around. And I don't know. It just, it added a lot of fun to a series that can sometimes just be 
you know, just be action adventure and just be laser blast and people getting punched in the face and stuff. I, I thought this one had a lot more humor to it, and it just felt really good as a result. I think I smiled during a, a fair bit of this episode. Oh, man, wasn't the scene where they steal that, that troop transport and then they dive off the cliff and then the guys on the speeder bikes dive off the cliff and come out? I just, woo, blew me away. It, the special effects of the show are so fun. good. Yeah. It was fun, and, and, and it, it had a purpose. It wasn't just, like you said, it just wasn't just fighting. It was a reason. It was fun. And I think it was doing nice a pretty go good back. job. It was nice to go back. I, the one thing that I like about this series that I think is different from all other Star Wars, too, is all other Star Wars, in all other Star Wars, the rebels are always good. Like, they're always the good guy. And I feel like here in The Mandalorian, out here on the Outer Rim, they don't really want the this government out here. They don't really want X-Wings patrolling their space and that kind of stuff, you know. Uh, they all seem very annoyed every, every time these guys come around. And despite the fact that they let Mando go a couple of episodes ago when they could have hauled him in, uh, you get the sense that this is... This is a planet and an area of the galaxy that just wants to be left alone. And so I think that's kind of cool. It's a little bit of a fresh um, take on, you know, maybe the Rebels are the good guys, but they, they also are kind of annoying to the locals. I like that. And Aaron, uh, Charles, what about you? What did you think about this one? Well, a few things that kind of got in me is like, okay, they go through to shut down the coolant coolant system, which reminded me of the original Star Wars movie with Obi-Wan trying to shut the shields down. Then we did speeder bike, which reminded me back of Return of the Jedi on the, on the uh, forest planet with the bike. A lot of good hints. I love the fact the interaction with the rebels at the end. I like the tie-in. This one had a lot of good action in the fight scenes on that in that uh, Imperial base, which kind of gave me the idea. A lot of classic Star Wars themes, especially on the uh, Death Star. So I think they did a really good job. Yes, it is a bit of a fan service, but this is the one case where I kind of like the fan service. I do appreciate a little bit of the reminding us uh, back to the classic movies. <coughs> so I think they did a good job with this. I think a little better than what I've been seeing previously. Yes, it's still the adventure of the week, but at least they're having a little bit of more fun with this. And I, I believe that um, if I'm if I'm correct, I got to preface this by saying that I am not, absolutely not, into any of the Star Wars expanded universe stuff. Um, really, not at all. Um, I never read the comic books. I only read the the Heir to the Empire, the the uh, Admiral Thrawn trilogy by Timothy Zahn, which I thought was fabulous, by the way. That's all I've ever read as far as Star Wars books and expanded universe. Okay, so I need to preface that before I make my next comment because I'm sure if I say something wrong, I'll, I'll get flooded with emails from people correcting me. But at the end of the episode, when, when Moff Gideon 
gets the message from the uh, the alien dude that uh, tapped into um, the Grazer Crest and put a tracker on it. I believe you actually get to see dark troopers. It looks like there's maybe, I don't know, 15 or 20 dark troopers behind Moff Gideon. Did you guys catch that scene at the very, very end? Yeah, I mean, they sure did look like it. They definitely had black armor. Um, it it was a little hard to see, honestly, and I couldn't – it almost looked like similar to, to TIE Fighter helmets, but definitely more armor. Um, now, I wasn't sure – now, the Dark Troopers, they're, they're actually droids, right? They're not people, or are they people? Do you know? Yeah. No, they're 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 lightsaber resistant droids. Lightsaber resistant droids, right? And given that our entire episode here, really the the crux of the story is now that yes, they definitely took some blood from Baby Yoda. Yes, they definitely have tried injecting some of that blood into other people, presumably to um, you know give them maybe force powers uh, or something. They talk about, you know, he has a really high M count, which I'm guessing is midichlorian count. Uh, so, you know, they're bringing this other lore kind of in. So it wouldn't surprise me if they're bringing in dark troopers. Now I did kind of wonder if they were dark troopers or if they, if maybe they were successful in producing a certain number of force wielding troopers. I don't know. I guess they said in the episode that they had kind of failed on most of those fronts. So maybe not. But yeah, they should have looked they, like it, Jim. Big black armor dudes. Yeah, they look like dark troopers to me. Uh, but uh, but again, I'm not I'm not positive. But that's what they looked like. Um, so, and, and yeah, yeah, they look like dark troopers to me. And I thought it was really great how now the story is moving forward. I think, and that's the whole key uh, to me is that now we know why they wanted Baby Yoda. Um, we know what they we're talking about. And we get to see that same, uh, what was his name? That scientist dude that we saw in the very first episode. Um, we yeah, see him again I don't remember his name. as a hologram. Yeah. yeah. And so now, now we get to learn, we get to find out what this whole thing is about baby Yoda. Why do they want the blood? Why well, is he so important? Which is cool. Well, and what's interesting is I was realizing, you know, so they went into that Imperial base with the intentions of blowing it up because they thought that it was a military base. After they set the place to blow, that's when they learned that it's not actually a military base and that it's actually a lab. So they actually just blew up any evidence or any way that they could have really found out more about what was going on there too. So it feels to me like, unless there's some maybe ruins left behind that they can kind of go back and investigate, we're going to have to find out more about what was going on in that lab through some yeah. other method, I think. And that I going? thought it was great at the end of the episode, right before the end, when they, when they see the hologram from that um, scientist dude that we saw in the first episode and as soon as they realize that they're talking about baby Yoda and that they want to harvest his blood, and it makes it seem like to me like they had harvested the blood from others because he says the other hosts didn't survive. Mm-hmm. So it seems to me like they drained other Force-sensitive beings. And as soon as Mandalorian hears that, he jets the hell right out of there, and he goes to say, he, he goes to baby Yoda right away which I thought was great because 
we're developing this relationship between the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda. And we're starting to see that relationship really uh, grow. And in this episode, he demonstrates how important Baby Yoda is to him. And I think that they developed some of that, uh, you know, last season when they actually showed us the Mandalorian's backstory and, you know, how he was found by other Mandalorians who may or may not have been actual real Mandalorians. Now we go to come to find out, but, but there's this um, backstory of his that involves being found, being taken care of, being nurtured, you know, transforming his life. And so the fact that there's this, um, there's this child character, you know, I think he feels a real sense of responsibility towards this character. I think he really feels like he has to get him where he needs to go. And he keeps talking about how he's been charged to do this or that with the child. The fact is that he just wants what's best for the child. And that's pretty clear. And I think that's cool. It's like hero with a heart, you know? Yes, absolutely. So uh, Charles, what would you rate this episode on a scale of one to 10 with 10 being the best and one being the worst? Oh, let's go with a good eight on this. Eight. Definitely a lot better than the previous week. And I think we're going to get some better ratings next week, but definitely I think it's solid eight. For this eight. All right. Eric, what about you? One to 10 probably my favorite well absolutely my favorite episode this season and probably my top three episodes of the entire series so far so i'm going to give this one a 9.6 i don't think it gets too much better 9.6 i I, i'm kind of like i'm between you and and charles um i want to i want to be closer to a nine i think and i'm cheating well (laughs) yeah i i want to go with maybe eight 8.765432 8.765432 maybe um i want to be on the close to 9 close to 9 like i said it was fun it was great we moved the story ahead and to me that's what mandalorian should always be about so yeah so overall we all pretty much agree on this episode so good which is cool and yeah. uh just uh, because the episode jedi aired yesterday that we'll be talking about next week you guys want to tune in next thursday because if you haven't seen that episode yet there's a lot going on in that episode and we're going to have a lot to talk about next thursday yeah but you you definitely don't want and and as if that wasn't enough i just want to throw this out i put a question on our facebook page um what show do you think is more nostalgic this week is it the mandalorian and Jedi, or is it Discovery and Unification 3? What do you think, Eric? Uh, well, I haven't watched Unification 3 yet, so I can't comment on that oh. one, uh, honestly. Oh, yeah, okay. I've been watching. yeah, I've been waiting for it uh, the tonight's show to be over with, and then I'm going to watch it tonight. All right. How about what, what about you, Charles? Which one was oh. more nostalgic for you? It's a tough question. Unification. Unification. Yeah. Definitely. I, I agree. I'll, I'll tease you a little bit, Eric. This this episode was well titled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Well, I, I have I'm, gone I'm back and done my homework and watched one and two again, so I'm poised and ready for any uh, any new information that comes in related to those two episodes. Well, I'm oh there. yeah, I'm there's another you. there's another one you have to watch that you've seen more recently. Yeah, it it it, it, I don't it want was. To give I, away I, anything I, else on it? No, we'll let we'll let, let Eric watch it on his own. But yeah, I I went with uh, with Discovery, uh, made me feel a lot more nostalgic than than uh, the Mandalorian did. The Mandalorian didn't pull any strings though, uh, but I feel that Discovery had more of them to pull. <laughs> so I yeah. I went with with Discovery, and we'll talk more about that next week, guys. Next Thursday, we're going to talk about the Jedi and. Unification Part 3, and of course um, Eric will be able to join in with us on that one because he'll have seen it by then. I watched it already twice, and I'm going to go back and watch it at least one more time before Thursday. I like to squeeze in two more viewings before Thursday because there's a lot to unpack in that episode, and I was so busy weeing like a little girl and jumping off the couch and (laughs) oh my god, that I I missed a lot of stuff and had to go back again. So we're going to talk about that next Thursday. You don't want to miss that show. And please, guys, our phone number here is 646-668-2433. I still have an autographed Lieutenant Arian picture that I would love to send to you, uh, but you got to call. So we're going to take another commercial break for our listeners over there at Odyssey Radio. We hope you guys are enjoying the show, and thank you for listening. And for our rest of our listeners, um, Talk Radio or iTunes or iHeartRadio or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcast from, we'll be back after this very quick message. From Jamie. Don't touch that dial. Maybe. Maybe there we go. Hi, this is Jamie from Chep Talking, here to invite you to join us for the best sci-fi theme podcast. Our elite team of Trexperts are here to discuss Star Trek and sci-fi themed content. Call 646-668-2433. Thursday nights from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern Coast Time. We can't wait to hear from you. Live long and prosper. No, we can't wait to hear from you. And if you call that number, I have a nice autographed picture from Lieutenant Ariam in honor of her birthday that I would love to give to a lucky listener. So please give us a call and claim that autographed picture. We're back. And we just finished talking about The Mandalorian, Episode 12, The Siege, which means it's time for some Star Trek Discovery. You guys ready for some Discovery? Oh, you know it. Yeah, we've been waiting for this one. we got a lot to talk about. And uh, where is my sound? I can't find it. There it is. So to get you guys in the mood to talk some Discovery, here we go.
I just love what Jeff Russo is doing with the music for for all these Star Trek shows and, and that theme in particular. I think he just nailed it. It just feels so Star Trek. What do you guys think? You like yeah. that theme? Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh, love I've loved it, it since love day it. one. I just think it's an amazing addition. And actually, I think the Lower Decks theme is really, really good, too. They They just keep getting things stuck in my head. I love it. Yeah, I love the way Jeff Russo will infuse uh, songs from other composers when they're when it's needed, and he does it just at just just enough, not overdone, but to pull you right in. I think he's a brilliant composer. Um, maybe we'll get him on the show to talk about composing. I don't know. We'll see. At any rate, before we discuss last week's episode of Star Trek Discovery Scavengers. We like to go around and see what the fans thought about it before we do. And for that, I post on our Facebook page every week. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best, what score would you give this week's episode of Star Trek Discovery Scavengers? And so for that, we're going to start off with Eric. Eric, tell us what some of our fans thought. Well, Brian Cheosmo gave it a 7, so that's pretty good. Uh, Matus R. Orzek gave it a 4. Catherine Compton-Freed gave it an 8. Larry Erickson said 8. I'd give it a 10 if I could understand more than half the dialogue. Zach Esbach gave it an 8. And Patricia Rodriguez gave it a 4.5. So uh, not amazing scores in my set. How about your set, Charles? Oh, a little better. Siri and Eva Manson gave it a 9. Um, frankly, nine, but only because the Disco A without the refit and the future tech gets a solid five. I'm a sucker for a Starship porn. Sucker for Starship porn. Robert Maddox gave it a ten. Stephen John Disco gave an 8.5. Renza Ace, I see me, gave it a ten. And Mark C. Lee, our friend, gave it a 7.5. Jim, what about your group? And wrapping it up here, uh, we'll start off with Edward Gonzalez, who gave it a 6. Tired of Michael not following orders. Dun, dun, dun. We're going to talk about that tonight. Uh, James Albert Johnson II gave it an 8. Andrew Canico said 8 but only because Burnham was properly punished. Again, we're going to talk about that tonight. Uh, Hayden Richards gave it an eight, saying I'd say an eight, a pretty good episode. Roland Wilson also gave it an eight. And wrapping things up, Jordan Robinson gave it an eight. A lot of eights, a lot of eights. And uh, so, Charles, what was our overall fan score on a scale of one to ten? What did our fans rate it? Our friends, we would drop down a little bit this week to about a seven point seven point seven seven point seven three by seven point seven four. Yep. So yeah, our fans are right around. Mark Mark B. Lee gave it a seven point five, so he's right there with 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 our fans, which is pretty cool. Yep. So. Now we're going to talk about the episode. We heard what the fans thought, but what do we think, right? That's what, that's what people want to know. 
What do we think? So before we do that, i got to give you guys a warning. Black alert, y'all. We are about to make the jump to some serious spoiler territory. That's right. You've been warned. So let's just dive right in here. Um, i got some sound bites I want to play for you guys. Let me find the first one. So one of our fans uh, uh, gave it a 10 because of the Starship porn. So what happened here? So I have a clip that I call Upgrade that I'm going to play for you guys. Previously on Star Trek Discovery, you get a fresh start in a new quadrant. Okay, that's not the right. I'm sorry, I can't play that one for you guys because it didn't. It's not the right one. So uh, let's talk about the upgrade. <laughs> sorry, mm-hmm. I wanted to play the clip of what was upgraded, but for some reason, it it downloaded the entire episode, and I don't want to play the whole episode for you guys. I don't know how I did that, but I did. I'm old and senile. I'm sorry. <laughs> so let's talk about the upgrade. The first thing is that the um, the discovery has been upgraded with programmable matter. The discovery has detached warp engines. All the battle damage was repaired. Um, they're now NCC 1031A, which a lot of people have complained about. They have uh, Aztec plating on the ship, which is no longer copper colored. Now it's more of a, a blue-gray like all the other starships we've seen in the past. Um, All of the people have new communicator badges as well. The communicator badges are what they're calling a tri-badge because it's a personal communicator, a tricorder, and a uh, pad all built into one as well as as a communicator badge as well. And we do see a couple of scenes of Linus beaming around the ship accidentally going to the wrong places. Um, there's a little scene where Tilly is using this, her, her combat, her tri badge as a tricorder because she's trying to uh, figure out what's wrong with the, um, spore drive intermix chamber. So we get a lot of new technology and we get a lot of upgrades to the USS discovery in this episode. Um, what did you think about all the upgrades, Charles? Well, it's, I'm sometimes not a big meme person, but I had to laugh this week of all the times Linus appeared in the group and said, oh, wrong group. I need to be beamed back to where I need to go. So that joke, that joke jumped in there. I rather enjoyed that joke. I enjoyed the fact that Linus took pop in. Uh-oh, this is not where I wanted to be. I'm going to try again. In fact, uh, our pilot sits there and says, is this a little too much? Our navigation's like, it's never too much. So it's interesting, even the interaction of the crew of how they deal with all this tech. Even the programmable controls that they get, where navigation literally... You put your fingers down, and the controls just work with their hands. That's what's damaged with the new sports chamber. In fact, I think we'll talk more about that and that interaction. 
and something else, uh, if you, I, I really wish I could have played the soundbite and I didn't screw it up for you guys. But it's also not only is it programmable matter, but it learns, and it, it takes on your personality, and it 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 knows what you're going to do before you do it, which I thought was also yeah. a pretty cool addition. So, Eric, what did you think about Imagine, all the upgrades that Discovery got? Uh, yeah, let me throw one thing up. Imagine that ability to pilot control. Where the system yeah. knows what the pilot's yeah. going to do. Yeah. It, it's going to it's gonna make Detmer's flying of the ship a lot easier for her, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Eric, what yeah, do you think so, about the upgrades uh, to Discovery? Discovery A. Well, uh, you guys talked about most of the good stuff. So, yeah, I was going to mention the the learning factor because uh, it's when Awushikun kind of goes to her console and the programmable matter is kind of Velcroed to her fingers and they talk about how it is supposed to learn and adapt, which I thought was kind of interesting because I wonder, I guess it means that, like, let's say Awushikun gets knocked out or something and somebody else has to use her console, then the console must return to kind of like a basic level of operation um, so that somebody else could take over the console and use it. That was the only question that I had about programmable matter. I mean, visually, it's, of course, stunning, the scene where the, the nacelles are detaching and all of the scenes um, where the programmable matter is being used. I mean, they're just, they're just visually amazing, and I love it because it's something that I feel like we've seen maybe bits and pieces of in some other shows and some other science fiction. I feel like we're going to get a lot of it on Discovery, which, um, which I really dug. And, you know, the... Jim, some people were asking about the A as well, and I'll just mention that uh, my comment on the A is that remember that the discovery was lost. It was destroyed. So as far as Starfleet is concerned, um, this is an entirely different ship. So some people have said, well, isn't this like when the Enterprise underwent its refit between the TV show and the movies? And I say, no, it's more like after the Enterprise was destroyed and the A came out, and it just so happens that this some of the aspects of this ship are the same, but as far as Starfleet's concerned, it's an entirely different vessel and, and deserves that A as a result. So, yeah, programmable matter is awesome. And I also, one thing you didn't mention was uh, they took on the kind of look of some of those other ships that we've seen where there's, there are no longer any supports between the inner and the outer disk on the main saucer section. So that outer disc of the saucer section kind of cantilevers out from the neck of the ship. And I just, I think that look looks really cool. <laughs> I don't know if it's got a practical yeah. purpose, but it looks really cool. And they, they, um, they updated the black alert when they, when they go into uh, the mycelial network, they updated that look. It's not, it's not the same as it was before. They updated that look too, which I thought was really, really cool. Um, mm-hmm. The Discovery got a well-deserved upgrade. And as far as the A, we saw the Voyager J. Uh, was it last week? I think it was last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We it saw was. the Voyager J. And and the thing the thing that a lot of fans were complaining about is that you know why did they give the why did they give the Discovery an A? And um, I'm like, well, you know what? If we go back and we look at our Star Trek lore. 
We never saw a lettered ship that wasn't Enterprise, ever, 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 ever. They only made the Enterprise A for Captain Kirk as kind of a, a prize for saving the world, for saving everybody. So they ha- I think it was a Tiananmen, was in dry dock. I think that was the name of the ship. And uh, they renamed it Enterprise and slapped an A on it and, and gave them the ship at the end of Star Trek Four. And so that's where that came from. When are you at supper? Soon. All right. And, and so they, they, they turned around and gave it an A. But up to that point, starships never had A. We've seen, we've seen numerous starships with the same name that weren't A, B, C. They do it all the time. We saw two Defiants. They didn't have the Defiant A after the first one got destroyed. We've seen several Saratogas that weren't A. We've seen Republics. We've seen lots of ships that use the same name and never got to A. So it's not, it's not like it's unheard of for Starfleet to do that. So I just wanted to, to throw that out there. But I do love the uh, Discovery, the new Discovery. It looks totally, if you guys watch it, the, the neck is different. The pylons are different. Mm-hmm. Um, they've changed a lot on the ship. It's, it's really a different ship, pretty much. I I really like the fact that they did something with those big kind of triangular wings. You know, the the Discovery's always had those kind of big triangular areas of the ship, and you think to yourself, well, gosh, that must all be uh, buried systems because there's no way you can get windows to the center of that big of a continuous hull. And now they've hollowed those out too. So now the triangular portions of the of the body are almost like little nacelles that kind of come out, and there's a an opening in there now with some windows. I think it looks so much cooler. It's, it's a, it's like pays homage to those old sketches um, from whence the discovery was actually designed and then takes it forward into the future. It's a really neat look. Yeah, I like it. I really, I really like it a lot. And um, I like the new um, tri badges. I think that's really cool. And I'm, you know, I'm just wondering why they're not wearing Starfleet uniforms of the day. Why are there wearing thousand-year-old uniforms? You know. Well, Jim. That'd be like Jim. You should, you should know better than that, Jim. I mean, come on. All of season two, we had the Enterprise crew in Enterprise crew uniforms, and we had the Discovery crew in the Discovery crew uniforms. So the fact is that Starfleet vessels don't always have the same uniforms. I mean, the Voyager didn't wear First Contact era uniforms. They wore TNG television series era uniforms. So I think that different ships can have different uniforms and be upgraded at different times. And to tell you the truth, I'm actually glad that they kept those uniforms because I think that they're a signature part of the Discovery look. And I do think that people identify Discovery immediately when they see somebody in one of those uniforms. I know that some folks don't like the look of them, and I will say that I do dig the super sharp look of the 32nd century uniforms. They look very Bajoran to me and, and kind of have a really cool kind of military look to them. Um, the Discovery uniforms are more like flight suits. You know, they don't have a military look to them. So I'm, I'm personally glad that they kept their old uniforms. Well, uh, the only reason I make that point is that would be like, like going back to the Civil War. Go ahead. Go ahead, Charles. I was going to say, Eric, just wait to see Ready Room and they discuss the creating of those new uniforms. 
very interesting design. Especially some of the 3D printing on them. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree that, that the blue uniforms are identified with Discovery, absolutely. Yeah. But, it, but that would be like like somebody from the Civil War jumping, well, not even that, because that's not even a thousand years, but from someone from the Civil War jumping, you know, in the future and still wearing a Civil War uniform. It's just, you know, it's just strange that you would wear, it, you know, a costume that far out of date. Um, but, again, I like the blue uniforms, too. I think that they're identifiable with Star Trek, with Star Trek Discovery. So I think that's pretty cool. Something else we got to talk about. We talked about programmable matter. We talked about the discovery. What about book ship transforming Mm -hmm. and turning into the Death Star or whatever it was? (laughs) Well, it just like like, I don't I don't see any practical reason for that. But I have to tell you that that is one of the coolest little pieces of starship porn that I have ever seen. Where they're flying that ship. They need to pull a hard 180, and when they do it, instead of the ship physically flipping around, it like dismantles itself and kind of turns inside out, and then is suddenly facing the other direction. I just, man, what a cool concept and something that you could never have accomplished 20 years ago, right? With the level of technology that we have now, it's just you can just do that, and it just looks amazing. Yeah, that was cool. I. I, I would love that, to hear that, if anybody yeah. comes with a practical explanation for that, though, like why that's more efficient than just turning the the ship around. But <laughs> in some ways, I don't because it, cool. it looks cool. <laughs> yeah, right. Because it looks cool. <laughs> I um, a good enough reason for me. My only complaint about the episode is that it, it, if you guys remember uh, an old Arnold Schwarzenegger movie called The Running Man. Yeah, um, so the one little the one little part though. The one little part. <laughs> I mean, in the but Running yes, Man, that was Arnold, the they're running all man, in yes. prison, and <laughs> Mick Fleetwood is running the resistance, and they have these little collars on, and if you go across the line, it blows your head off, and they're all trying to escape from this prison without losing their heads, and I'm like, really? Like, like I, I expected Arnold Schwarzenegger to go running by any minute now. But um, that was about my only complaint about it was the, the blowing of the heads thing out of an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. But I'm a huge Arnold Schwarzenegger buff, and I happen to love The Running Man. It's one of those cheesy 80s movies that I just I'm in love with. So that's why I made that connection. But it wasn't enough to make me, you know, hate the episode because of it. But I just wanted to mention to everyone that I, I, I did get a little bit of a, an 80s vibe from that, that one little scene there but i liked it anyway it was still cool what about what about grudge flying the spaceship oh. until he going to feed him <laughs> me and jamie were watching it like wow grudge does everything <laughs> i loved it <laughs> yeah some people have supposed that maybe there's more to grudge than meets the eye that maybe grudge is some other type of life form i think grudge is just a cute cat and they're just throwing uh that cat in there for for comic relief it was hilarious when they they answer the yeah. hail and it's from the cat i mean come on and it's from the cat <laughs> I, I i thought that i thought that was great i love and i love tilly's reaction to grudge 
You know, grudge crawls, it's crawling yeah. all over and goes underneath yeah. the bed until he's like, I really don't like you. <laughs> well, yeah, it's perfect well, for her because somebody like Tilly is not going to be a cat person. And I love that she has to deal with the cat because the cat has to do with Book, who has to do with Michael. So she's doing it because she has to, but that's it. Yep, I love it. Thing I, I love Is what about, what about the DS9 reference? On the planet. Oh, we got to find some self-healing stem bolts. Mm-hmm. I love yep. it. Like, oh yes, another Nog reference. Yes, that was that was great. That was really I, 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 I really enjoyed this episode. I really, really did. It was it was a lot of fun, and uh, we still have a lot to talk about, guys. I still have a Lieutenant Arium picture that I want to give away to some lucky listener, but you can't win it if you're not in it. So you got to give us a call at 646-668-2433. You have about, oh, 30 minutes or so. So give us a call within the next 30 minutes and you can win this picture. I've still got a few more clips to play for you guys and a lot more things to talk about. So, uh, you want to stay tuned. If you're going to leave, run. Don't walk to the bathroom and get right back here because we're going to be talking a little bit about um, a little bit of of uh, conflict between Tilly and Saru. Maybe some conflict between Saru and Burnham, maybe. And then there's a little interaction between Stamets and our new character, Gray, that we want to dive into. So please, 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 please don't touch that dial. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after we hear this awesome message from a really good friend of mine. Hi, this is Eric from Trek Talking, here to invite you to join us for the best science fiction-themed podcast on the Internet. Our elite team of Trexperts are here to discuss Star Trek and related sci-fi content, and we want to hear from you. Call into the show Thursday nights from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. on the East Coast, and we'll get you on the air to share your opinions. We have faith that you'll call. And we're back. So we had so much to talk about in this episode, but before we get to some sound bites, there was one thing that was going on in this episode that I couldn't get a sound bite for because it was a visual thing. And um, that was Giorgio. She's having these blackouts and she's having flashbacks to the Terran universe and some dude covered in blood. And, and, and uh, we don't really quite know what that's all about. A lot of fan theories going around about it. And according to the previews that we saw at the end of unification, it looks like it's going to be dealt with in the next episode. But as of right now, we don't really know what's going on with Giorgio. You guys have any theories that you want to throw out there about what is going on with Giorgio? Well, Eric, you know, during that, Go ahead, Eric. During, I was going to say, during that scene, when she is uh, having that flash, uh, she does mention a name. She mentions the name San, S-A-N. I got that from the uh, closed captioning. And it also, I don't know, there was a strange mixture of both the Mirror Universe kind of logo and a Mirror Universe knife. But then when they flashed the picture of Giorgio, it almost looked like, prime Giorgio to me. Uh, it certainly didn't look like somebody in any emperor garb or anything like that. I don't know. What did you see, Charles? 
I'm still kind of wondering back to our man in glasses by saying the fact that there was a minor cha- minor DNA change in the uh, hold on. Yeah, so I've heard theories that they that some people are saying that um, you know maybe he did a modification that actually made Giorgio start to experience some regret for some of the harm that she's caused in the past, and that why and and in that way kind of you know make her more empathetic. Um, I don't know if that's what's going on or not, but it certainly does seem like these flashes are they're. They're breaking her down. I mean, it, twice, yeah. in, both in this episode and the last episode, we see her kind of almost have trouble standing or, like, get this look on her face. And from and from somebody who has been an absolute, like, rock since the beginning of the series um, all last season and, and even into this season, it's weird to see her kind of have a weakness, so to speak, you know, or, or not be able to yeah. cover up her weaknesses, so I think it's maybe got something to do. I think you're right, Charles, with Mr. Glasses. Uh, and I think it it probably has something to do with her being manipulated in some way genetically based on kind of the clues that we got in that episode. Well, I have a theory, if you guys want to hear it, uh, from, from a senile old dude such as myself. Um, we've never seen a character from the Mirror Universe survive in the prime universe as long as she has she's been here for years well hundreds of years now and the man in glasses did say that the mirror universe is further apart from the prime universe than it's ever been before and hinting at there's really no way for her to ever get back there if indeed she ever wanted to so i'm thinking that what we're seeing is we're seeing uh maybe like reality the prime reality catching up with her and what she's seeing, I think what she's seeing is she's living the death of Giorgio prime. And that's what she's seeing is the death of herself in the prime universe because the two realities are kind of merging together and she's having to process all that, that information. I think I'm, I could be totally wrong. I think, I think, I think that's a really good theory, Jim. It's just that she says that name during that flash. And so that's what makes me think that there's some other character, like maybe she had a son or something that she killed back in the mirror universe. And, and, and maybe that's affecting her or I, I don't know that, that name thrown in is what throws me for Luke. Cause I immediately thought what you thought there too, is that it had something to do with the distance of the universes that she's probably kind of mixing over with Prime Giorgio and those things are kind of getting, you know, of course, Prime Giorgio, as we all remember, was killed by Klingons, right? Uh, so And they ate her. <laughs> the, and they ate her. But the scene that where they do the flash in this episode doesn't look like that scene because we see Prime Giorgio die and it doesn't look like that scene. So I, I don't know. I, I like it. I like where it's going, but it's just I, I can't help but shake the fact that I think there might be one other character here that we haven't been introduced to yet. That's my guess. All right. Well, that's cool. I just threw that out there. Yeah, good so, one. I loved. I know we want to get to clips, but what? Can I just mention the Andorian dude with no antennas, real quick? Because absolutely. As a 
as a person who has played an Andorian in Star in uh, Star Trek Adventures, <laughs> I can tell you that you cut off an Andorian's antenna, and that's a pretty serious assault. That's like cutting off what's between somebody's legs. Uh, it's no good, and it means that this Andorian that we see has been broken down um, and is really like not living the life that he wants to be living. He was one of my favorite characters in this episode. I loved the fact that he was being forced to kind of tag these other prisoners based on, um, you know, an insurrection that he had made at some point when, in fact, he was actually trying to stand up to the bad guys, but then he got black-labeled by everybody else for it. And I just, his character was so interesting to me. I liked that he, that he made it out. Uh, I was pretty sure he was going to die. I said, I was telling my wife as soon as we saw him, I was like, he's dead. He's definitely dead this episode. And you, you know who he's married to? <laughs> you, you know, do you know who his wife is? No. He's married to Tilly. Is he really? Oh, that's He's married wife cool. to his new, new husband. Yeah, pretty cool. I did not know that. All right, well, very cool. Thanks for sharing that, Jim. <laughs> So uh, we had a lot of character development in this episode. A lot went on. It was hard for me to pick what to talk about on the show because there's so much. But one that I had to touch on for sure is the relationship that's growing between Stamets and Gray. And here it is. You're talking to yourself. I don't think you're crazy for what it's worth. But I'm curious. You won't believe me. You have no idea what goes on around here. Okay. Let me just say there's no head injuries. Okay. I was talking to my boyfriend. He's Trill. I got my symbiont from him. When he died. Um, my understanding of Trill is that you're supposed to be carrying his memory, not his soul. Yeah, I, I don't know how it happened this way either. Maybe because we were so close. Well, I'm um, filling in the blanks a bit, but it sounds like you're holding on to someone you love. And I did that. Pew, while he was gone. Before he died, I thought of life and death as this linear thing with a distinct beginning and end. And now I know life will always surprise me. So if you tell me that he's still with you, what's his name? Gray. Gray. I believe you. says I need to make friends, but I don't know. Well, he realizes you have a lot to give. Well, you think I have something to give? Are you kidding? You can accomplish things none of us can even imagine, including me, and I've imagined more than most. You're kind of like the bomb, huh? I was until you showed up. I like this guy. (laughs) 
he um he says he likes you. Well, he's clearly a genius. <laughs> so I love that scene, and I love the softening of Stamets, and I love the scene after that where Stamets goes back to Hugh, and he's talking to Hugh about her and the relationship that she has with Gray versus the relationship that he had with Hugh when Hugh was in the mycelial network. I just I love that whole interaction there. I think it's 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 great writing, it's great characterization, and I really love it. And that's why I played it for you guys. What did you think about it, Charles? I want to learn more about Alara. She's an interesting character. You know, boy, I, it's going to be interesting to explain why she's got such a strong tie to Gray. But as Tamla's jokes about the fact that it's interesting dealing with this tween, this teen that is so intelligent. He's able to remove the four-chamber controls from his arm and that he doesn't need them anymore. It's interesting, the conversation between Stamets and Colbert about how Stamets feels about her. <clears throat> and then I think Colbert kind of realizes really that interaction and kind of how those two are very much alike. How they lost people, almost did lose people, and then got them back. It's an it's interesting relationship that I want to see more of. Yeah, I, I agree. Eric, you want to add anything about this, about this clip before we move on? I disagree with you guys. Adira is definitely becoming one of my favorite characters. I think that um, there's a real kind of um, mystery still to that character um, because she's still kind of discovering who she is and what it means to be a trill, uh, to have this symbiote. And then on top of that, there's kind of non-standard stuff happening. And now that's exactly what Stamets went through with Colbert. I mean, his, his husband died and then came back from death. And so that just... Uh, it's a it's a great way for those two characters to connect and a perfect reason that they should have a bond with each other. And I'm, I'm just super happy that they're starting to develop that. So, yeah, good clip. I like that one. I got some other good ones, but first we got a caller. And let's see who this is. It looks it looks like we might know this person. Let's see who it is. Hey, thanks for calling Trek Talking. What's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Shannon, I'm calling from Kentucky. Yeah, we knew that. We knew you, Shannon. How you doing? <laughs> I'm wondering how long I have to say I'm from Kentucky, because I think you all know who I am by now. <laughs> well, we do, but our pe- people listening mm-hmm. around the globe might not know. <laughs> oh, I'm so, so sorry. We're, we're, talking so about, sorry. We're, we're talking about Discovery. You're just in time. I know. I've been listening uh, so, while I was making dinner. You mm-hmm. know, well, the next clip uh, <laughs> that I want to play for you guys is a really relevant one, because of what this is going to, well, anyways, uh, this clip is called, I called it Tilly and Saru. Down and reroute to containment. Got it? It's in Tilly? Uh, sir, uh, sorry, we're just rerunning some tests with the new spore drive interface in case we need to jump quickly. I appreciate your diligence. Might I speak with you privately? About Michael, right? I was hoping against all logic you could explain her absence. 
sorry, no, uh, came into my room and Grudge was there and Trisha has a reason for keeping us both in the dark. Commander Burnham left to pursue a mission of her own against my direct orders. Oh, shit. Shh, shh, shh. <laughs> sorry. That's <laughs> exactly. I will be honest, Ensign. I have not felt this mistrusting of her since we served on the Shenzhou. I assumed, after all we have endured together, that this feeling would never return. Sir, he knows. Michael is one of the people that I love most in this world, but she made a choice, and now because of that, you don't have one. You have to tell the Admiral. I expected you to try talking me out of it. Yeah, I know, me too, but Discovery still has a lot to prove, and if Admiral Vance finds out and you're not the one who told him, the entire crew will get painted with the same brush. That is astute, Benson. I might have done the same thing in her shoes. Just for the record. For the record? I do not believe you would have. I love the the relationship that's developing between Tilly and Stamp or and Saru. We saw it when he <laughs> took her on the away mission, and he mm-hmm. said that she's exactly what a first contact should be. I have another clip that I want to play because we only have 15 minutes left, so I want to squeeze this next clip in first because it kind of ties into this one, and then we're going to talk about it. So this next clip I want to play for you guys is a clip I entitled. Saru and Burnham. I am sorry. The Admiral made some excellent points. And I will continue to reflect on the way I have handled all this. We both made mistakes. I was particularly disappointed. While I agree with your intentions. The decision I am now forced to make comes down to one thing and one thing only, Commander. It's not about your skill. It's not about your ability. It is about trust. In your defense, you were clear in your ambivalence when I asked you to be my number one. In my desire to return to a sense of things as they were and as we keep learning things are not as they were no they're not I take no pleasure in this look as of now you are relieved of your duty as my number one you will restrict yourself to chief science officer duties only You're doing the right thing. One day, 
We will find the answers we are all looking for. Michael. So, Shannon, what do you think? Is Saru yes. do the right thing? Absolutely. I do. I do. And the reason for that is he always, he's never treated Michael like she actually was underneath him. Like he always treated her like she was an equal or above him because that's where they were before. So it's the first time I think he stood up and treated her like he should since he's the captain. Yeah. I, I, and what do you think about the the going to Tilly for advice? So a lot of people were were turned off by that. What did you think about that interaction between Tilly and Saru? I was a little surprised by it, but he knows, I guess, after going on away mission and stuff, that he can trust her, as opposed to he doesn't trust Burnham. But he knows he'll trust her to back him up. Like when he told her to do something, she does it, and that's what he needs as a first officer. Right, right. What about you, Eric? What did you think? Oh, yeah, absolutely did the right thing. Um, and I think what Discovery is probably doing better than any other Star Trek has done in the past is showing us the consequences of people's actions. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like Michael's the first person to have ever defied captain's orders. I mean, many captains uh, and subordinates have defied orders in the name of doing stuff for the Federation. But, you know, in this case, I do think that um, despite Michael's conviction about finding out about the burn, Tilly's right. They got a lot to prove. Uh, they just showed up uh, 930 years from where they started. Vance barely trusts them anyway. Uh, and I think they just need to stay kind of on the straight and narrow for a little bit. And Michael has so much passion that she just gets caught up in it. And she feels like she's got to go run after it whenever it's there. She's got no patience. She's got no willingness to like wait and see, trust her captain. I mean, they both agree that Saru's the right captain for the ship, but she's not letting him do his job right now. So I definitely believe that demoting her from first officer was absolutely the right thing to do. What I hope then that that doesn't mean is that now we just get rogue Michael all the time, because I would love to see her having a little bit of a, of a, uh, you know, of a moment where she kind of has a realization where she's like, okay, sim it down. I got to be a team player. I got to, like, you know, take care of my crew, that kind of stuff. If she would just do that for a couple of episodes, I think it would kind of set it right again in my mind's eye. And what about what about you, Charles? You get to bring up the caboose on this one. Okay. <clears throat> okay, let's look and see, besides Michael, who does Peru really have close contact where he can talk to a person? be able to talk a little bit to Culver, but I'm not sure he's really got a good crew member that he's got really to sit and talk to, that's really been through a lot of the command training, and Tilly's the one that fits that category. Tilly's been through a bunch of the command trainings already, didn't finish it all, but he's been through quite a bit already. <clears throat> so I think Saru realizes she's somebody she can trust and she can depend on. Where she's not always sure, especially with Michael being stuck alone for a year. She's still trying to kind of get her center back in place. Whereas they didn't have that year loss. 
but I think they're really trying to deal with that year loss. And I kind of agree that, yeah, I think coming down on her was a good idea at this point because I think there's been a lot of complaints the fact that Michael's been, <clears throat> as we see even in our <coughs> rating comments, that people are a little tired of the of the constant going against the man. But what's interesting is I think but, that that you know despite the fact that we've had plenty of people going against the man in the past, this one feels different because Discovery is actually showing us that it does have consequences, and it's also yeah. a serial story arc. So like you know when you're doing episode to episode, you can't have major consequences for somebody being insubordinate because then where's their character the next episode? You know, you, you need to be able to see those out of order. Discovery is locked into this serial nature of it. You've got to see the one before you see the next one. And so you can do things like this. You can actually show character arcs that you couldn't show on the original series. That's why I think it's very interesting. And it's not just about like coming down on Michael was a good idea because Michael, Michael, it was no, Michael has very strong conviction. She's an excellent Starfleet officer. She makes really good decisions most of the time. And then every once in a while, mm-hmm. her passion gets the, the best of her. And it's showing the consequences of those actions when she takes action on her passion rather than on checking in with her team and seeing what the team needs to do. And that, I think, is a bigger message that we all could, you know, take, take to heart a little bit. Sometimes it's not all about you. Sometimes it's about the team. Look at your team around you. Make an assessment, then make an action, and don't just always react emotionally to every single situation. So, Eric, on a scale of one to ten, what would you rate this episode? Uh, it's a pretty good episode. Uh, a little slow, uh, but I did like a lot of these interactions that we've played clips for tonight. So I'm going to give this one a solid. Uh, let's see, I'll give it an eight. I liked it. It's a good episode. An eight. How about you, Shannon? What would you give it? I think I gave last time's an eight. I'm going to go with an 8.5. Um, I actually would have given it higher, but since I'm now seeing the next episode, it can't get higher because next episode is better <laughs> to me. <laughs> yep, I, I agree. Yeah. I, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's the problem I'm going to have. Uh, Charles, how about mm-hmm. you? Uh, I'm going to Shannon. I think I'm going to go with about where I've been previously and about an 8.5 on this one. Just a good episode. Yeah, Eric, you're in for a treat. Oh, I haven't yeah, seen it yet. I agree. Oh. I I agree. I was gonna I'm gonna go with an eight point five. I would have gone with higher, but I've already seen Unification three and I have to leave room for that. And so I I'm right. I'm, I'm kinda of yeah. cheating a little bit, but I'm gonna go with an eight point five on this one because I'm gonna need to leave room for unification three. So I'm gonna go with an eight point five. <laughs> really good episode, a lot of fun. So I'm going to go with an 8.5, mm-hmm. and our fans gave it a 7.7. So we're right, we're right in line with the rest of our fans. Pretty close, anyways. So, anyways, uh, believe it or not, that wraps up our show, guys. We're all out of time. So, yeah, Aww. wow. So I want to say thank you to Shannon. Thank you for to Shannon for calling in from Kentucky tonight. <laughs> Shannon, thank you very much. We love to hear from you. Anytime, guys. It's always fun to talk to you all. You're always welcome to call and, and, and Trek talk with us anytime you want. Thank you for calling, Shannon. We really appreciate it. Okay. And, of course, I want to say thank you to Charles for hanging out and Trek talking with me tonight. Thank you, Charles. Oh, definitely. I always love talking Trek and beyond. And beyond, yes. 
And also thank you to Eric for hanging out with us tonight as well. Thank you very much, Eric. You better believe it. I had so much fun with you guys. Thanks a bunch. A lot of fun, a lot to talk about. And, of course, I want to say thank you to all of you guys listening around the globe. It's really important to us that you listen to us. I think it's great that we have listeners all over the place. I think that's wonderful. And we couldn't do the show without you guys. We really, really appreciate it. So thank you. Thank you so much. And also, thank you for making our Facebook page a great place to hang out and talk Trek with other fans. So we just broke 22,000 followers. And uh, wow. I don't think we'll – Yeah, isn't that incredible? I don't think we're going to be able to tell you guys that we're at 23,000 by Thursday. I think that would be a stretch. <laughs> but uh, it seems like we're gaining about 1,000 followers a month, I think, is, is a pretty good number. Would you guys agree with that, guys? So far, yeah, pretty good pace. Pretty good pace. Yeah, but we're my picking business, up a my lot. My business doesn't even have a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's awesome. I mean, that that tells me that we're doing something right. We're doing something that fans appreciate, and something that fans likes, or we wouldn't have that many that fast. So thank you to everybody for uh, checking us out on Facebook page, and please tune in tomorrow night, Sunday from 7 to 8 for Stunt Treks with yours truly and the one and only Leslie Hoffman. I don't know what we're going to be talking about yet, but we it'll be fun. We always have fun. And check us out on Facebook at Truck Talking and Beyond. Spell that all out. Give us a like, give us a follower, and help us uh, break 23,000. We really love it. And I hope that everybody has had a very safe and very Happy holiday here in the United States, Thanksgiving I'm talking about. So please stay safe because we want you guys to be around for a long time. So please be safe, and we appreciate all of you guys. I'm Uncle Jim, your host, signing off for tonight, saying thank you to everybody, and hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Good long and prosper. night. Can we go already? Yes, fine. Engage. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.